0: Today we're wrapping up our surrender series. The last several weeks, Pastor Kyle has been guiding us to consider what it means to surrender different parts of our lives, key areas of our lives to God. What does it mean to surrender our wealth or our wrath or our work or our cling wrap or something um, happened at one point? Um, so you can go onto our sermon page and you can catch up on any one of those um, on our website. But today, we're essentially asking. The question, now what? Um, We've been through this season, hopefully it's been a little reorienting for you coming out of Easter, um, but now what? Uh, It's not all that much different from if you've ever been to a a conference or a short-term mission trip or any any significant experience. um, You have this sort of high and then regular life happens again, and what happens next? And so, well, to help, help us answer that question when it comes to surrendering our lives to God, uh, we're going to actually join the disciples in the weeks following Jesus' death. Um, Jesus died, he came back to life, and then what's next for them? Because um, they're still around. And so, we're going to be reading in John chapter 21, um, Jesus at this point has risen from the dead. Uh, and we celebrated this last week. Spoiler alert, this is an exciting time, but also a confusing time for the disciples. Um, and then at this point, um, in the account that we're going to read, uh, Jesus has appeared actually a few different times to them. Um, we've already seen this uh, famous story and scene where Thomas is sticking his fingers in Jesus' wounds because he's like, Is it really you? So that has already happened. And then we get this scene that we're going to read, and all the disciples are together in a fishing boat. And so read with me in John chapter 21, uh, starting in verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were all together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they all went out and got into the boat, um, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing this net full of fish. They weren't that far offshore, about 100 yards, and when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. I don't know who took the time to count all those, but 153. But even with so many The net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Does anyone like house projects? With the warmer temperatures that have been... um, around us this past week. I've enjoyed getting to be outside and doing a few more things, taking care of our grass um, because I'm in my 30s now and a dad and I guess that's what I'm supposed to care about. Um, But I do enjoy house projects. I especially enjoy the house projects, um, I call them side quests. the ones that have nothing to do with the seven and a half other side projects that I've been uh, a part of that got a little more complicated than I anticipated. And so I'm gonna do this other thing now. Um, Maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. This might just be me. Um, We just did our flower bed and it has nothing to do with any of the other things that I've been a part of, but the flower bed looks incredible even though there's some unleft projects around the house. Can we just agree, you're wondering, where is he going with this? For the disciples, their excursion to follow Jesus was beyond their wildest imaginations and maybe a little more complicated than they originally imagined. The thing they signed up for ended up being a little more complicated than they could have imagined. One really common teaching around the story we just read is that uh, almost to say tsk tisk to the disciples. Look at them, they're just, Jesus died, the excitement's over, and now they're back to their old lives. Out of sight, out of mind, the thrill of Jesus is over and they're giving up. Don't be like the disciples. That's one common way to look at this story. But can I just, for a moment, invite us to consider why are they in the boat? Did the scripture tell us why they're in the boat? No. John, who wrote this account that we read, didn't say why they went out to fish. Simon just said, Hey, I'm going out to fish. And the disciples said, Okay, I'm going too. So they're all out in the boat. In their narratives, the disciples, they've dropped everything to follow Jesus. And so it wasn't this whim decision, and now they're on a whim decision doing something else, likely. Maybe they are just hungry. Maybe they're hungry, and they have a certain special set of skills that they can get food from the water, because that was their career, was fishermen, most of them. Maybe they are considering starting up their old jobs, and they are feeling a little defeated by Jesus' death, and they don't know what's happening next. The point is, John doesn't tell us why they're fishing. Maybe they're just bored, and they just want to do something together. We don't know. But again, it's been a wild few weeks for them, hasn't it? Not anything they could have imagined that their Savior would die and then right in front of their eyes, a gruesome death, and then he would appear again to them. And what does that mean? And it's a wild few weeks. And I don't know what sort of chaos you have going on in your life right now. Maybe it's big, maybe it's not. Um, Right now, in my household... The biggest chaotic moments that happen are when my two-year-old poops in the bathtub. Um, It's a whole scene, because he's not sure what it is. He just knows, I don't know where that came from, and it's chasing me, and it's not okay. Um, And so then we have a screaming toddler, and we have to deal with that, and then we have to clean, and it's just a lot, all at once. Um, And again, I don't know what sort of chaos you have going on in your life, but compared to what the disciples have just gone through the last couple of weeks— My two-year-old's bathtub nightmare just quite isn't the same. Um, And so we can agree that for the disciples, it's a lot to take in. But there is still something to be learned when we look at the story and the fact that they're out fishing. Because while the disciples might not be doing anything wrong or inexcusable, we definitely find them somewhere where they're comfortable. In the chaos that they're faced with, the unknowns, they run, they go, to where they find comfort something that's familiar and isn't this us this is our natural response to chaos or uncertainty that pops up in our lives what's comfortable what's familiar what's a side project around the house that I know I can get done for sure and feel accomplished some small sliver of my life where I can get away and just at least this makes sense where do you run Because we all run somewhere. And like the disciples, where you go most often for for comfort when things are a little chaotic in your life might not be anything wrong or inexcusable, unless it is, of course. That's a possibility, in which case um, we should all be honest about those things, Um, honest with ourselves, honest with God and with others, not so that we'd feel shame about those things, um, but we might find freedom. Um, and ultimately find healthier places to go um, when things feel chaotic. But where do you run? We all run somewhere. Is it a sport? Um, Maybe you get stuck scrolling on your phone. Uh, Is it a food? Ever heard of comfort food? Companies are very smart, and they know that we want to comfort ourselves, and so often a lot of marketing takes advantage of these things. Have you ever seen this donut box? I'm not sure where I've seen this around town, I can't remember, Uh, Jenny says, my wife says it might be the sweet stop. Um, I've seen this donut box, and I'm sorry also for showing you a picture of donuts. (laughs) When I see this box, I don't have to have been thinking about donuts or eating a donut, but when I see this message, you deserve a donut, it says. I mean, I do deserve a donut, don't I? Life's been kind of challenging, and I've been crushing it. Go me. Or maybe I haven't been crushing life, and this will certainly help. Um, From this point forward, in this moment of enjoyment, life is only going uphill from here. It's ridiculous. It's just a donut. But for the time that it takes to eat it, I feel like life is good, even if it's not. And so what's the point? Whatever it is for you, wherever you run, a side project around the house, a donut box, we all run somewhere for comfort when we're faced with things in our lives that are less than comfortable. When chaos comes, whether it's big or it's small, we're all naturally inclined and drawn to run somewhere for comfort. And today, I wanna challenge us to consider that maybe we're missing out on something better. Maybe we're missing out on something better when things get chaotic, and the only thing, or the first and only thing we run to is a donut box, or if you're a disciple, a fishing boat. And so we're going to pick up the story from here. Uh, we see the disciples; um, they see the stranger on the shore, and they catch a bunch of fish. And they go, "Wait a minute! I've seen this before. It's Jesus." They so recognize him, and Peter jumps out of the boat. He's just full send in the water, headed to Jesus. The rest of the disciples come up. They meet him on the shore, and they have breakfast. And then Peter and Jesus have this really interesting exchange and conversation. So we'll pick up the story in verse 15. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says. You know that I love you. So Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. This is a really beautiful moment um, that Jesus and Peter have together. It's beautiful because Jesus isn't ignoring that in the last hours before his death on the cross, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times, and now he's asking Peter three times, Do you love me? And each time is like a reminder to Peter not you should feel shame, you should feel shame, you should feel shame, but you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And Peter's restored. And now, we're going to be headed to the final part of what Jesus said, but I don't want to skip over this, because Jesus isn't just an old friend on the shore that they haven't seen in a while. Jesus is God in the flesh, here on earth. Elsewhere in um, Jesus's time, he tells the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's significant, because What does then God think about those who reject him? For those who mess up and only do what's convenient for them. Well, how about breakfast? And let's not ignore what happened, but you don't have to run away. Come to me. I've already done away with death, so let's put that shame to death too. And now you can join me And bringing life to the whole world. And maybe that's all you need to hear today. Whatever you think of yourself, uh, however you've messed up in life, God took that burden on himself to the cross so that you don't have to carry it anymore. Jesus died and then he left the grave behind so that you can leave the grave of your shame and your guilt behind you as well and live a life of freedom. Like Peter, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Why? Not because you feel sorry or because you're extra lovely, but because God is loving and you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. And so Peter the story is restored from his past but then jesus goes on and he looks to peter's future he looks at his future and essentially says this isn't going to be easy for you but will you continue to follow me anyway like i know things have been hard and complicated and you've never experienced this before but your life is still headed for some choppy waters ahead Will you continue to run to me, come to me the way you just jumped out of that boat? When things get chaotic, where will you run? And will you keep running to me? And here's why that's important for us today, because this wasn't the first time in the gospel accounts where Peter leaves a boat to follow Jesus. This was not the first time, and this is very, very cool. Follow me to Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. So Peter drops his nets and he follows Jesus for the first time. Then again in Matthew 14, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Jesus is walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And now, in John 21, Peter's jumping out of the boat because by now he's a pro. He's like, I know how this leaving the boat thing works. I'm going to Jesus. And he dives in the water. Jesus's invitation to a surrendered life. Peter surrendered his life in the first time he leaves the boat, and in the second time that he's out on the water, and again... Jesus' invitation to that kind of a surrendered life is what? Keep surrendering because you're going to need me in the future too. Keep running to me, not just once, but again and again and again. And Peter now has a rhythm of surrender. And when looking to the future and maybe wondering, now what, Jesus? Like, what's going to happen next? Jesus says, keep following me. Keep running to me. Why? Because even a surrendered life will encounter chaos, and the journey ahead is defined by where we run. Even a surrendered life encounters chaos, and the journey ahead is defined by where we run. So where do you run? And what will be your rhythm of surrender? Because we can run to our comforts when the waters of our lives get choppy, Or we can run to the one who calms the waters with his voice. And that's not to say that the circumstances of our lives will always automatically guaranteed change. It certainly doesn't work out for Peter. He gets crucified later in his life, and that's what Jesus is telling him. But Jesus is the only one who promises to be with us in the middle of it all. He's the only one with the power to make things right And at least, I don't know about you, that calms the waters of chaos within me, my thoughts, my worries. He is bigger and more beautiful than any place I can go. And so for Peter and for us looking forward to our future, asking now what? What will be your rhythm of surrender? We associate these significant things. Surrendering your life to Jesus is significant. We associate significant things with big moments, and these boat moments certainly are significant. But most of life is just kind of common. And it's hard to, to find significance in the common things. And quite frankly, it's more fun to like, look forward to big moments and to remember big moments too. But even a boat for Peter is a common thing. Getting in and out of a boat not quite, but almost is as common as getting in and out of our cars every day. Most of life is this common stuff. We love mountaintop experiences, got to get to the mountain, but most of life is the common stuff. And so how can we turn everyday circumstances into a rhythm of surrender and significance? I was told once by a friend, asked to remember the most beautiful sunset that I'd ever seen. What's the most beautiful sunset? Most, uh, maybe for you, it is a mountaintop. Most, the beautiful mountain scenery you've ever seen. What's the most impactful moment you've ever had with nature? For me, my answer was, it's Victoria Falls. I don't know if you've ever seen Victoria Falls. Here's a picture. Um, Named after Queen Victoria... Uh, When the first recorded European, David Livingstone, came across it, the locals had their own name for it, but uh, Victoria Falls it is. Um, It's one of the seven natural wonders of the world, and it sort of sits right on the edge of Zambia and Zimbabwe in Africa, where the Zambezi River drops this incredible curtain of water and a cloud of mist. that just skyrockets in the sky. The thundering sound of it can be heard like something 20 miles away. So I was in Zambia for a short-term mission trip um, with uh, the music department at my undergrad school. Uh, And we were teaching at a local um, uh, music school, doing clinics and things like that. And at the end of our trip, while we were there, we did some of the more touristy things. We did a safari and we came here to see this. And I'm glad we did. At the top of the falls where the water is surprisingly really calm. Um, Some people go out and they like swim right to the edge of it. And it's really, really crazy. I don't think I could ever do it. But it's a thing. People do it. And then there's like hiking trails. You can go across from it um, and kind of out into the canyon area. You can kind of jet out into it a little bit. Not like directly under it. but And so we went down there and this whole trail area is just drenched because the the splashing water, the amount of, the volume of water that's ricocheting off the ground and splashing up and then coming back down it's just, and then the thunder of it all, it's impressive. <laughs> um, and I remember walking out towards this falling, I call it mist, I don't know what else to call it, but it's, it's like heavy <laughs> on you. When it hits you, it almost hurts. Um, And when that water started to hit my head, I could do nothing else but to just raise my hands at the majesty of it all. It was just impressive and overwhelming. So I'm with my friend, and he's asking me to recall this scenario. And then he says this to me. He says, you have a shower, don't you? Yes. (laughs) Yes. What's stopping you from raising your hands when that water hits your head? Really kind of brought the whole thing down. Maybe for you, if you were imagining a sunset, he may have said, well, you know the sun sets every day, don't you? And we can see it whenever we wanted. It's just up to us to go look. And you might say, back to that, well, that's not really true. Some days are cloudy, and it's raining, and you can't really see it if if the weather's bad, even if you wanted to. And that's fair, but it's also actually my point. Often we can't choose what a day will bring us, but we can choose to rhythmically surrender to the one who brings the day. How will you choose to rhythmically surrender your life for the rest of your life to God? For Peter, Jesus has given, the, given him this really kind of cool, beautiful rhythm of leaving a boat. He now has that for that like token, that significant thing for the rest of his life. And maybe for the rest of his life, when he gets in his boat, gets in a boat for whatever reason, getting out of a boat is the sacred moment for him because he remembers, ah, this is... What my life is about we do this in other places of our lives um if you get married we we know the wedding day is special it's incredibly special but what's a marriage really without like regular date nights or points of connection it's necessary or what's a family reunion Um, or a college girls weekend that happens every year at the same place or whatever except for a regular reminder to us of what really, really matters, the connections that matter, even in our busy schedules or when distance and geography tries to separate us. Like, we do these things rhythmically to help ourselves remember what's really important to us. And so when it comes to relationship with Jesus, what does it look like to train yourself to rhythmically return To the waterfall. And raise your hands in the shower if you have to. To choose to run to the creator of the universe even when he feels impossibly distant or the clouds of life seem to hide his face. Maybe for you to find that common thing that you can go back to again and again and again, maybe it does help to remember these significant moments in your life. Maybe it helps to remember for you, the first time you said yes to Jesus, what was that like? What were you feeling? Who was there? What, were some of the, what was the time of day? What season was it? Where were you? Like Peter, some of us can remember leaving the boat for the first time to drop your nets and follow him. What are some of the details around that memory that you might be able to point out in your everyday life and remember again and again and again? Some of us even remember, like Peter, sometime later in our lives. That next major season when, like Peter, we really stepped out in faith and we were totally dependent on Jesus to keep us standing above the chaotic waters of our lives. What was that moment for you, that season? And how can you remember it again and again and again? Because the chaos of life will come and we will run to where we rhythmically find comfort, wherever that might be, but there's only one that we can run to and find something more beautiful and bigger than anything else in life. So I don't know what chaos you might be facing in your life right now, what chaos might come your way if things are good, and I don't know where you run to for comfort, but I'm here to say, run to Jesus because he's still on the shore, and he's calling your name. And there's no better place to be than around the fire, eating breakfast with him. Jesus has invited all of us, not just once, but for the rest of our lives, a lifelong pursuit of the goodness that only he can offer. And when we settle for anything less, we're missing out. Maybe you're here today and... You've never stepped out of the boat before. This is new for you, and trusting Jesus is a little bit scary or odd. I want to tell you that the invitation is the same for you, too. Jesus is on the shore, and he's calling your name. He's asking, will you follow me? And so, church, no matter what chaos comes our way, may we be a people who choose rhythmically to run to Jesus, more than our distractions, not just once, but again and again and again for the rest of our days. Would you pray, for, pray with me? Lord, I confess, um, I have a lot of things that I, I enjoy doing that, um, if I'm not careful, begin to take your place. Um, When I'm uncomfortable, when I'm having a hard time, there are a lot of things that occupy my time and I forget to run to you. I pray that, Lord, for all of us, um, help us to remember you. Um, Show us joy, not just something that we would know and acknowledge, but would you help us to experience you and experience your joy. Help us to find little things that we can do regularly to surrender our lives to you, to find comfort in the comforter, to run to the King, to run to the Father again and again and again. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.